Hello and welcome, neighbors. I'm Brian Plain, and this is the Live Here Riverside podcast. This podcast shares the stories of good people doing great things right here in our village of Riverside, Illinois. My guest today is Adriana Saldana Medith. Adriana owns and operates Fleur, a gluten-free bakery and cafe located right in downtown Riverside. In our conversation, we discuss Adriana's story beginning with her transition from working in international business to becoming a pastry chef, how her own gluten intolerance served as motivation to create better gluten-free pastry options, and how she's positioned Fleur to expand their market across the greater Chicagoland area. Without further ado, here's my conversation with our neighbor, Adriana Saldana Media. So let's start with your story today. So are you originally from Riverside or the Chicago area? Or I guess, tell, tell us a little bit about that. Um, I'm originally from Chicago and moved into Cicero when I was in um, later, latter part of my grade school. And then uh, went to Morton East in Cicero. And then moved back into the city for college. Um, moved back to, I graduated uh, from at the time, it was Rosary uh, College, and now it's Dominican University. I studied um, international business and uh, worked in the city for a long time. And then uh, we, my husband and I moved back into uh, the suburbs. We, so I'm now located in Stickney. Okay, gotcha. And how did you, so how did you find Riverside? I always loved Riverside growing up. I had friends that went to Morton West and lived in Riverside. And so as growing up, I always loved the village. And so when it was time to find a place, I happened to be driving through Riverside and I saw the Ferenc sign. And that building, the arcade building, was always one of my favorites. And I, I said to myself, there's no way this is available now that when I'm looking for a space. And it just happened to work out at the perfect time when I needed it. It's fun. It's funny how those things work out. And, and we're going to, we're going to jump in in a second here to, to Fleur and hearing about your business. But I guess before we do, so you, so you mentioned you went to college for international business. So how did, how did you go from international business to, <laughs> to, um, yeah. I guess what, what you're doing today now? Yeah. So I was very lucky to get to travel and, um, worked in marketing and sales. And, um, then when nine 11 hit, all the technology market just tanked in Chicago and could not find a job for over a year and a half. So it was one of these times where time to rethink my career path. You know, it, it was a very exciting industry, very innovating, fast paced, but I did not have the passion. Um, wasn't being creative uh, with a passion that I had for, for just any love of a hobby. And so when I was looking into doing changing careers, I was thinking maybe teaching. And my husband said to me, why don't you go into culinary school? And I'm thinking, well, how that's, that's odd. I, I couldn't, I couldn't make a living in doing cakes. And so I started researching and I found uh, the French pastry school and I looked it up and I said, oh, that's just, that's crazy to be changing careers in my mid thirties. And I was watching the food network challenge one day and I saw uh, it was a chocolate showpiece challenge, and one of the chef's names, uh, it was actually Chef John Krause, 
and it said French Pastry School, Chicago, Illinois. And he ended up winning the competition. And I said to myself, wow, if I can be taught by that caliber of chef, I think this is what I want to do. Um, went and visited the school. It was exactly what I needed. It was just focusing on the craft and the art. It was a 24-week intense program being taught by French chefs. And uh, I said, this is where I wanted to be. So I <clears throat> went to school, did it full time. I was then selected to do a one-year internship with the school. And that is where I really honed in on recipe development. I was able to work with chefs that came in from all over the world. And I just kept falling more and more in love with the craft. Um, I went on to work at Everest Room downtown in the Stock Exchange and then went over to work at the Peninsula Hotel for two years. And that is when I realized um, working, so that's now four years into my new career and realized I am gluten intolerant. Ah. So instead of, so instead which, which, is, which is an issue so, for a French pastry chef at that point, I would imagine. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I was still paying off culinary school and, and completely do this full, you know, 180 change, um, leaving the corporate world and completely starting over. But working in those, with those in the industry for four years, I realized there was a lack of good quality, um, gluten-free baked goods. Everything we were receiving was frozen and it tasted like cardboard, um, had no flavor. And I felt really bad for these customers because the person sitting across from them would get this beautiful decadent chocolate cake and they would get either a cut up fruit plate or, you know, if there was a flan or a panna cotta happened to be available that week or that day, they would just get that. And I when it happened to me, I said, there has to be something better. And I can't believe nobody has attempted to try. And the people who are gluten intolerant or celiac, why are they accepting something, a, a product that's just not up to par to a gluten counterpart? So I left a wonderful job at the Peninsula Hotel and decided to create my own flour blends. It took me about two years. Um, it was a very, very hard. but I had that training from the French pastry school and working with those chefs from all over the world that really helped me understand recipe developments. And I applied everything I learned as a classic French uh, pastry chef um, to the gluten-free baked, gluten-free baking. And it just started coming together. Um, the one thing that I learned in gluten-free baking, you really need that um, for regular baking with gluten products, uh, that gluten helps develop flavor. Mm -hmm. So now that you're using alternative flours like brown rice flour or tapioca flour or sorghum flour, it doesn't have gluten in that. So it, you really need to uh, bring in flavors that will help uh, Develop the flavor. Develop the flavor. Mm -hmm. So I made sure I was using ingredients that are high quality. So I use butter, European butter that has 86% fat. Um, fat usually helps develop flavor really well. You know, chocolate. Um, I use Belgium chocolate. When I was in culinary school, I learned all about chocolate. Um, American chocolate. It's just. You know, unfortunately, they're coming around with a lot of the chocolatier makers in, in the U.S., but you know, Belgium's chocolate and chocolate's coming from Switzerland. It's just, a, it's at another level. 
And so when I started incorporating that type of chocolate and making sure my ingredients are, are premium quality, that flavor was coming back. I was able to substitute the flavor by using top quality ingredients. Okay. So I said, all right, I think I have something here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, in the two, so in the two years since you, when you left the peninsula and started working on your recipes, were you also simultaneously launching your business at this point? Or is this literally two years of just kind of even, even like locking in? On I was. Okay. I was still, yeah, I was still doing regular gluten cakes just mm-hmm. to help pay the bills. Um, and then when I finally started you know, testing, um, using my marketing background and just testing the market, giving the products to people without telling them that it's gluten-free and getting feedback. And they were saying, this is fantastic. And then when I would tell them, it's actually a gluten-free product. Nobody <laughs> <would believe> me. <laughs> that's, I, I feel like that's, that's the dirty secret of everyone that is, that is gluten intolerant or has celiac or something like that. And again, I, I for disclosure to the audience, I, I, I frequent your shop often as I am also <laughs> gluten intolerant myself. And yes, we, we love bringing stuff from your shop and basically saying, <laughs> let's, let's just let them eat it first and see what they say. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that was our whole, you know, that was our, when um, we opened, that was our whole, marketing tactic where, um, and that is one thing I learned from my chef mentors, when you respect food and you are using quality ingredients, it's all about educating your customers because the first thing your customers will see is, oh, that is too high. That's ridiculous. But, and they always used to say in class or during lectures, like, just give them a little sample in the house, educate them what a really good cookie should taste like or what really good brownie with delicious top quality chocolate should taste like. And then you start, you start bringing them back more and more. So I had to start educating the customers that and try to break that stigma and that perception of what gluten-free baked goods taste like because there are so many companies that have rushed to market that did not really pay attention to the quality of flavor. Mm-hmm. And that's where I, that's when I, as a chef, that's the first thing, um, you know, obviously eating is a very visual um, thing to do, but I wanted to make sure, okay, it's pretty, but I've tasted so many pretty desserts that tasted awful. And you just <laughs> take one bite and you don't go back to it. Sure. And you know, I wasn't thinking about the visual aspect of it. I was thinking of flavor. And so as I was, I kept, that was my number one priority. And that's where my tagline would develop its flavor first. That it doesn't matter what it looks like, but if it's good, they're going to come back and always have that. You know, it may not look pretty. And that was what my first focus was on the flavor. It had to be so important. And we had to break that stigma and educate people that gluten-free products did not have to taste like cardboard <laughs> or you know just be hard as a rock or you had to heat it and eat it right away because then it was going to be as hard as a, a hockey puck <laughs> so. yeah no I've, I've 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 tasted all of those myself too so I, I i know intimately what you speak of there um so t- so tell us how did so how did you go from you know maybe kind of testing out your recipes to launching your business flur and then, and then why don't you uh, go into talking a little bit about kind of the story of how flur came to be and, and where it is today yeah, so um, I had run into a business, uh, former business uh, work colleague back in my IT days and um, told him what I was planning on doing. And he was very interested because he also had family members that are, have celiac. And so we got together, had him taste the product. He was blown away. 
So we, we became partners. And then, um, you know, we, we had, since we were focused, since we both come from the IT world, we attacked this business plan as a startup and mm-hmm. not thinking of it as a mom and pop shop because, you know, we have limited funds and, you know, we need to, how are we going to start getting the word out with limited budget and, and we have zero marketing budget really. So we figured, all right, it has to be a coffee, a small coffee shop because, you know, the word of mouth is very powerful. Mm-hmm. And so we said, let's start building the brand. And I think the, the village of Riverside is just matched perfectly of the caliber of product that I offer. And it's just so quaint in when I get people from coming in all over the Chicagoland area and neighboring states, they're just blown away when they're walking in, they're driving into Riverside. You know, it's never heard of Riverside. And, and even local Chicagoans, had no idea Riverside actually even existed. So it, it, it was a good, good match for Riverside and Fleur. And how we came up with the name, my husband is a writer. He is uh, Scottish and Irish. And so we, I wanted uh, a name that was simple to remember. And, but I also wanted a name that would be able to compete with the big box names on the grocery shelf. And, so, you know, if we were ever going to be getting into the wholesale and hopefully national brand, mm-hmm. I wanted a, a a name that would be able to stand up with all the all the big guys in the stores. No, I think it does. It again, it's easy easy to remember and kind of rolls off the tongue. So uh, credit 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 yeah. to him as well too. And it, yeah, and it actually means um, it's a, it's a, it means flower f l o u r and mm-hmm. flower as f l o w e r. So, you know, it represents, you know, our, our products are as, as, you know, simple and pretty as one single flower. Um, and, you know, the flower as we're using alternative flower. So. Gotcha. That makes sense. And, and so when was it that you actually launched the, so did you, did you start Fleur then exclusively just online in terms of kind of, you know, taking the bootstrap kind of startup approach, or did you start it from the beginning with kind of the existing space and shop that you're in now? I actually started in 2000, uh, I think it was 2010. Mm-hmm. And then in 2013 is when we launched the store in Riverside. Gotcha. Okay. So you've been here almost a little, well, I'm coming up on four, five years. Is that right? Yeah. Five years. Next actually, um, in July 8th of this year will be four years at the oh, retail okay. place in Riverside. So That's we're excited. Right. We're excited that we've lasted. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, again, I mean, I think for any small business yet, I mean, it's nothing to, uh, nothing, nothing to scoff at because it's, you know, it's, it's certainly hard to do that. And with, with your business, how does, how does your business break down now? So do, for instance, do you have most of your sales coming from the storefront or do you, or does it break out where you have a lot of kind of corporate and commercial clients as well too? Or I guess tell us, I think for just folks who, who you know, maybe only know you guys as the storefront, I, I know you do more than that as well too. So maybe share, share a little yeah. bit about that too. So, so within the four years that we've been in Riverside, we went from a single retail location to offering our products into 10 grocery stores throughout the Chicagoland area. And now we have just partnered up with a distributor, a local distributor in Chicago. They're called Local Foods Distributors. And they have so many customers 
that they service. And we needed to find a, a strategic partner to help us get to the next level. And to, uh, last week, we just landed four hotels, and we are really excited about that. Um, we are So now we are moving more into the food service. Um, it's just it's an easier sell, um, not as expensive as the packaging as our package that we use at the grocery stores. Mm-hmm. And there's just a higher demand for the bigger volume. Um, we also partnered up with another food service management company called uh, Bon Appetit. Mm-hmm. They are located, they're all over the country. Um, they're huge in the West Coast and the East Coast. And um, they're run by chefs who are going back to making food from scratch and um, uh, getting their all their supplies from local farms and sustainable foods. And I just love the, the mission that they have. They tasted our product and they said, this is great. Um, this goes exactly with the caliber of food that we're offering. And they're in a lot of the universities throughout the country and a lot of big institutions. They're in the Art Institute. Um, they're in University of Chicago campus, and they're in Wheaton College here in Chicago. They're just breaking into the Midwest, and so we're currently servicing the University of Chicago campus. Um, we deliver about 2,000 muffins a week to them. Wow. So we are slowly but surely starting to grow. <laughs> no, that's, well, that's excellent. And yeah, and actually, it's funny because you mentioned a number. I thought that was, you stole my next question there. So how, I mean, what, what type of numbers in terms of product are you putting out kind of on like a, on a weekly basis? I mean, I'm sure it depends obviously, but um, again, I think it's, it's always interesting to me because I know that a lot of people probably in town here locally kind of come in and be like, Oh, it's nice. We have, you know, muffins and baked goods and so forth available here. But I know again, there's a huge, there's a huge machine that's going on behind that. That's actually putting out a lot of, a lot of product each week. So what's, what's a typical week like for you in terms of um, even just the schedule of, of life as, you know, as, as a chef of a, of a bakery place? Yeah. So it's been, um, it's been hard to balance because we are basically running, you know, three businesses out of one. You know, we Mm -hmm. have the small retail look coffee, the coffee shop um, for the locals, the commuters, that's the the busiest time of the morning, six to 10, everyone's Mm -hmm. going into the city. So we have that and the front of the house bakery part. Then we have you know, our wholesale for the grocery stores. And then we have our wholesale for the food service. Um, and that's all the coffee shops that we service throughout the Chicagoland area and soon all the hotels that we just landed. So it is, it's trying um, because we have to make sure we keep the front of the house filled with products, the so cupcakes and all the specialty items during the holidays. And then also, you know, when you get, Last week, I got a last-minute order for the Hyatt, and um, you know we're just literally starting to fill the warehouse for our distributor. And you know it's the Hyatt calling, so sure. <laughs> we had to do a drop shipment, and we have to make sure we keep those guys happy. So it is it has been trying, but it's exciting. It's exciting growing pains that uh, we're we're experiencing right now, and um, and now we're currently starting to look at automation because. To be able to keep up with the demand, um, unfortunately, you know, we cannot be hand scooping and it's no longer going to be an artisan cookie um, that we're going to be making for the hotel. It'll have to be through a machine, but it's okay. You know, it's something that I, I understand. I can't be the 
oh, you know, woe is me, the artist, my cookie's not going to look pretty, but it's still going to have the same quality um, and taste. Um, it's just going to have a little different look. That's where I was just today looking at depositing machines and learning all the, the world of, you know, commercial baking of manufacturing equipment. It's completely different from, you know, being a, an artisanal chef and doing everything by hand. Sure. Well, I, I think any any entrepreneur can relate to uh, that that point of a scale where they have to let go of their baby, you know, to a certain, to a certain extent, and um, you know, in order to kind of take that next big step. So, I certainly, right. I certainly well, that is, and when you yes, and when you have a husband saying, "All right, uh, the starving artist uh, is not going <laughs> to," it's like we need to start making some money. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, I, I, I was, and that was that was the reason for my question before because I know you had shared with me that um, you know when I had first reached out to you about recording this, you're like, "Actually, we have our first vacation in like seven years planned." So I was like, "Okay, yeah. let's let's make sure we cover on the podcast that people don't realize you know this isn't this isn't all the glory of of you know being of being." No. You know, a owner of an operator. It's, it, there's a lot of, you know, I, 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 it I, is. I question if you sleep, that would be my, <laughs> my question. You know, as, as I'm getting older in age, I have to um, definitely start taking care of more of my health because I am not in my twenties anymore, but yeah, you know, it's something that they don't prepare you in culinary school or in business school. You know, you wear every hat when, you know, your walk-in cooler and freezer goes down. There's no pick up the phone and call maintenance. It's you're the one that has to get it fixed or, you know, your, your, your uh, ovens break down. You have to be the one that fix it. And, you know, you also have to be the bill collector when your vendors or your um, customers are not paying because you got to make that payroll. And it, it's been a, definitely a learning experience as well. It's, um, the, to be an entrepreneur, you definitely have to be a risk taker and a gambler because there's been times where we've had, I think, $5 in our business account. And then all of a sudden we got this big check to be able to cover payroll. So, <laughs> so yeah, it has been, that's also been a big learning experience on, on entrepreneurship and running a business. Good. Well, I'm, well, and I'm, I'm glad to hear, like I said, of, of hear the growth story and, and about kind of the good things that you have in the pipeline too. Cause like I said, I know that everybody really likes having you guys there in, in town and, and certainly appreciate it. And I think with, with that in mind, why don't we, we'll switch over to the Riverside portion of the podcast here and the, the, the fun, the fun lofty, easy questions for you. Um, so the first one I have for you is what's one thing that you wish more folks in Riverside knew about you personally? Oh, wow. Um... I think uh, that that I am a trained pastry chef and that I care very much about food. I love food. Otherwise, I would have never left my corporate world to change to become a pastry chef. Mm -hmm. And that I um, I really care about the products that I, I make for my customers. Um, food is very important to me. Food is very emotional. And so... Um, you know, and I wanted to make sure for the for people who are gluten intolerant and uh, celiac, when people are told that they are they can no longer eat, you know, the, their favorite muffin or favorite donut or anything that contains gluten in it, their whole world comes tumbling down. And I am happy to be able to provide um, a, a, an item that either when they're depressed or sad that. They can find something, some comfort in my products, or they're celebrate whether they're celebrating a wedding or their their first baby's, you know, um, christening or first birthday. That I can help be there to to make that event a little bit more special. 
I, I like that answer. And I've, I've, I've used your shop for that very reason for uh, many of my family members as well, too. So, um, so we, we certainly appreciate it. Um, and we definitely appreciate your business, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so next question, uh, what's your favorite thing about Riverside? Uh, the community feel. Um, it's, I love, firstly, the aesthetics of, of Riverside. They have the most beautiful trees and houses and, and just the feeling you get when you, you drive through Riverside. And then the, the people. The people is what makes Riverside. Um, people have been very welcoming when we first opened. And uh, we've become a, a, a community center where I love when people come in and they say hello to their neighbor or they haven't seen someone that also lives in Riverside in a while and if they're reconnecting. And I love that I can employ students from Riverside because they know the community. And when they walk in there and they say, oh, Lizzie, you're working here or, oh, Laurel, that's great that you're working here. So I just love that community feeling that Riverside has to offer. Well, and I think that I think that comes across in your shop. So I'm not not surprised to hear that. That's that's one part of the answer there. Um, so now let's let's same question, but let's flip it around. So you get to change one thing about Riverside. No questions asked. What would what would that what would that be, and why? Um, I would love for more businesses to open um, in Riverside. Um, the four years that I've been there, it's it's just. The downtown area has been very sleepy, and I just wish that we can do something to help, you know, give incentives for other small entrepreneurs to come into Riverside to open their business and maybe get the word out on what Riverside can offer a business. And um, because it is a little lonely when people come in from all over, uh, you know, they're coming from Tinley, from Oswego, from Barrington, Arlington Heights, and it's their first time coming. And it's eight o'clock in the morning, and they're saying, "What else can we do in Riverside?" And it's a Saturday, and a lot of things are still closed, and there's really not other things to go see at eight o'clock in the morning. And if it's beautiful outside, I'm like, "Oh, they have beautiful, you know, parks that you can walk, or you can take a walk down by the river." Um, I just wish that there was more businesses, a little bit more action happening in Riverside, a little bit more foot traffic. That's what I would love. Uh, I think I think a lot of people would agree with you on that one, <laughs> and and I think and ho- hopefully we're hopefully we're helping with that with this site. So we'll we'll see. We're hoping to tr- try and help get the word out here. Um, that would be great. So then, last question for you: um, What's the kindest thing that someone from Riverside has ever done for you? And this can be for you, Bob, I'm buying you time here. This can, this can be for you personally, or this, or this could be for your business, um, but just something that, you know, someone kind of went out of their way and did for you that stuck with you. I don't think there's one particular, but I think the people, um, you know, when you've earned their trust and their loyalty, um, the customers, some of the customers that we have um, earned in Riverside, they're so loyal and just them return, they return for every event, special event in their, in, within their family, I think makes me happy. Um, there is a, a family that has moved from the Chicago area uh, last year and um, she could not pick up her cake on this past Saturday. And mm-hmm. I told her, and this was her fifth cake that she ordered from me. And I said, you know what? 
I live close by. I'll come in on a, on, on a Sunday morning to open up for you to give you your cake. And she was so grateful. And she told me, you know, she's like, I have never ordered five cakes from any bakery ever. And she's like, your, your, your products are just fantastic. And just when I get feedback like that, it just makes my job even more worthwhile and knowing that I'm on the right path of just making people's events even more special. Oh, that's, I, I think that's a, a good summation of the approach that, that you guys take at your shop. And uh, I think that's a, that's a good place to wrap up. So thank you. That's, that's, that's a good, I like that answer. Um, so before we go here, um, I just want to give you a chance to, to kind of let people know uh, where they can find you online. Um, you know, anything else that you just want to let folks know uh, about Fleur. So I'll, I'll go ahead and give you some, some space to do that. Okay, so Riverside is located at 1 Riverside Road in Riverside, Illinois. Our, you can find us online at www.fleurflavorfirst.com. And we also have uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook. Thank God for millennials that I have hired <laughs> that have set all that up. <laughs> all that social media and the social media has been wonderful because... Anytime we have a new item at the groceries or at our store, um, people do come and they show us a picture like you still have this item. So social media has been wonderful for us. And um, just keep following us either on Facebook or Instagram. When that's how we um, tell people when we have any new products coming out or any special items for menus for holidays. And that's how they can know what we're, we will be having for every event. Great. Well, Adriana, thanks so much for doing this. I, I appreciate it and, and look forward to helping uh, help get the word out about Fleur. Thank you. I really appreciate the time. Hey, neighbor. Brian here again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Live Here Riverside podcast. You can read our blog posts and hear future episodes of this podcast by visiting us online at livehereriverside.com or liking our Facebook page, Live Here Riverside. One last thing. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a neighbor that you think would enjoy it as well. Thanks for stopping by.